Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, none other than Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Say what? We're here. What's up, Doc G? Whew. Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Spring has yeah. sprung in Florida. That's right. Mm-hmm. We, we are we are sprunging over here, man. Yeah. It is nice. Beautiful it's weather. Nice. You know, it's we've got that sweet like two weeks of of temperate weather. Yeah, and mm-hmm. here in a couple of of weeks, people will be complaining and hoarded in their insides <laughs> with air conditioning. Like I'm not going outside. It's ninety. <laughs> Feels like the devil <laughs> out there, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, it's all right for me. I don't I don't mind that. You know, it's much better than cold. Much oh, yeah, much yeah, better. Hundred percent. And I just. I love seeing, I mean, I know we don't have too many trees that leave, lose their leaves during the winter, but I just love to see them all just bushy. Just yeah. makes me happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Look healthy. It's, I, I've never, I, I've said this on the show, but I just never get why people get so excited about fall. I mean, I understand the leaves changing is cool, but mm-hmm. it just means they're dying. Yes! They're yeah. going away. And then in December, you look out, and it's just a sad wasteland (laughs) of dormant, yeah, dormant (laughs) skeleton trees that you're like, oh, I got to wait until March. Oh, but we're here. We're here. And Mike, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, We have something that on the show we love. Mm -hmm. We have a pointless list. I'm very excited about this one, Mike. We've got a list from Stars Insider today. Say what? Okay. So I was I was cruising through news headlines, and I came across the Stars Insiders, and it was like mammals that be- make the best human companions. Mm. Mm. I, I think we've like, already decided as llamas. So well, true. <laughs> apparently not. Apparently not to this list. Um, so I, I was intrigued, obviously. I was like, I gotta, gotta check this out. And there are so many things that I like about this list, Mike. Um, first of all, they pulled this from uh, the Stars Insiders, the, the great journalist at Stars Insiders, which I've never heard of until Me I neither. pulled this list. Never heard yeah. of it. <laughs> probably I you're about to like have a list of celebrity facts or something. No. no Probably less people look at Stars Insider than the Doc G Show. No offense, Stars Insider, but anywho, they pulled this study from Frontiers in uh, Veterinary Science, and uh, they essentially described nothing of the actual study. They just went down to the results and were like, here's the animals. (laughs) Then, uh, the actual study was published in 2016. 2016, and this is literally a, a news article from Stars Insider this week. Like, hmm. why are there folks at Stars Insider cruising behavioral ecology studies of the last decade? Like, this one's good. We should use this. <laughs> like, who was who was doing that there? Um, then 
One of my other favorite things about this list. They have 24 mammals on the list. And I was like, that's a little strange. Why would researchers choose 24 mammals when there are roughly 6,500 species of mammals on Earth? Mm-hmm. Um, and they went with 24 for, for no discernible reason. It's a little... A little strange. So I went to the actual paper, and they ranked many more animals. They ranked way more than twenty-four. Uh, they didn't have it in their uh, uh, listicle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't have <laughs> it in their format. listicle. Um, but and this is the best part: Th- they presented the top twenty-five in the paper. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said Star Insider said twenty-four. <laughs> Literally, someone at Star Insider missed one of the animals when they were transferring over the list. And somehow, even though they were taking this to press and they looked at it and were like, 24? That seems weird. Now nah, run with it. That's good. They left out Gunther's Vole at number 19 on the list. Girl, come on! Yeah. <laughs> a Gunther's Vole. It basically looks like like a little blind mouse, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they just completely, some lazy ass intern at Star Insider was like, eh, click, copy, paste, copy, paste, missed that one. And he's like, that's weird. I've only got 24. And their list has 25. Oh, well, I'm sure it's fine. Let's go ahead and submit <laughs> this. This works. Um, Girl, come on. Now, the other thing that I love about uh, this list is that Star Insider presented absolutely no reasoning why the animals are listed the way they are on the list. They just gave you the animals. There's none of the scientific criteria. The actually study had statistical reasoning, nine judging criteria, a bunch of exclusion and inclusion criteria, and Star Insider was like, that <laughs> here are some animals you could think about of having as pets that's what we're saying and uh now before i get to the animals mike just a little update they don't have fully domesticated animals on this list so those are automatically out cat dog rabbit goat horse right. cow these are all these are all out of their list so this is essentially like a hypothetical list of what if we as humans wanted to f- the existence of another animal. What mm-hmm. will we choose? Yeah. And will we go out and ruin their life, basically? Um, now, uh, one more thing before I get to the 24. Uh, there are four species of wallaby on their list of 24 animals. Hmm. Interesting. Four species. I don't know if you know, Mike, but that's a lot of wallabies. Yeah, I don't I barely even know what a wallaby looks like, to be honest with you, Doc. <laughs> mini kangaroo. kangaroo. It's, it's a little a kangaroo, right? <laughs> mini kangaroo. And, I mean, don't. that's almost half of the species of wallabies that are in existence. There's only nine wallabies in existence. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And they chose four out of nine to be on this list. Hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'd love to hang with some wallabies. I'm just saying. Got to be something else. But, I don't know. They look pretty dangerous. Maybe yeah. not the small ones, but they could kick you. <laughs> they could. They've got some. They got yeah. some flipper feet. You ever uh, seen those pictures where they're they're like they've got chest and biceps? Oh they're yeah, like... <laughs> they flex it out, man. Especially the kangaroos. They get 
They get that mean face on, yeah. and then they get their chest all puffed up. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so the wallabies can't get that ripped. No, no, no. Unless, no. unless I guess unless you start working that. out with them. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if you domesticate them, you start training them a little bit, get them ripped. I don't Some know. Some resistance bands. All right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, I'm not going to mention, I just want to mention a couple of these. Again, I'm going to highlight some here for you guys. Uh, now, 25th on their list. Again, I had to... Uh, match the two lists because Stars Inside only had mm-hmm. 24. This yeah. is technically 25. Uh, and remember, this is out of roughly 6,000 mammals that are not domesticated. <laughs> this is the 25th on the list. The 25th on the list is Screaming Hairy Armadillo. Hmm. What? Yeah. Screaming <laughs> Hairy Armadillo. <laughs> I'm going to say that there know. should have been a rule in this study that described that, that anything described as screaming and hairy doesn't make the top 25. Yeah. No. Like, that just <laughs> automatically, screaming and hairy instantly makes it worse. Like, I'll give the listeners an example. Like, you, hey, Jeff, your mother-in-law is coming this weekend. Or, hey, Jeff. Your screaming, hairy mother-in-law is coming this weekend. <laughs> like, that's, uh, you know, it's a little feel like that's a much worse scenario for Jeff. Yeah. She's hairy and sure. screaming. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Now, yeah. the Especially first, armadillos. Yeah. The, it, he looked pretty compact, though. I will give him that. <laughs> he looked like a nice little, like, oh, you okay. know, okay. throw him in a gym bag. Uh, I don't know why everybody's working out in this scenario of animals. <laughs> but uh, Now, the first wallaby on the list comes in at number 15. Hmm. Number 15. And that's the rednecked wallaby. Mm. Yeah. Which, mm. I don't know if I agree with that one either. Nope. You know? Like, why are you going with the rednecked wallaby? Rednecked wallaby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. I don't know if I want to go with a wallaby that's going to be drinking Miller Lite, shooting <laughs> no. guns, and listen to Morgan Wallen all day. That's <laughs> <No>. not my... <laughs> It's not my type of wallaby yeah. I want to hang out with. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you mix that with the working out, you could be in yeah. some danger. Yeah, mm. and then the politics are probably just not going to work out either. It's not mixed it's, mixed politics. I just hear him <laughs> hear him yelling all day. You know, it's not good. Um, now we're a little a little short for time, so I'm going to jump down to number one on the list here. Number one on the list, Mike. I don't think you'd ever guess this. Just give a give a wild guess of a, a general animal that you can think of that you would mm. like mammal wise. Right, 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 right. Uh, hmm. Chimpanzee. I I think, I, so. I think I'd rather hang out with a chimp than this. Uh, okay. <laughs> the Sika deer. Hmm. Hmm. The Sika. Yeah, yeah. This deer is native to Eastern Asia. Hmm. Uh, we've got some invasive populations of it actually in America. It's about 10 states that have Sika deer. And I mean, they pretty much just look like your normal deer, like a white-tailed deer in America. Right. Are they and like really like, small? It, they're not super small. They're sort of normal size. Like they might be right. a little bit smaller, I think, than a white-tailed deer. But like, like I've never woke up and thought, you know what? I'd like to hang out with a deer today. Nope. <laughs> like, who? That, that. I mean, I would much rather hang out with a wallaby than yeah, a deer. For sure. Like, for sure. Now, and and number nine on the list, Mike, Wallaroo. Hmm. Wallaroo. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Wallaroo, which is, you know, it's in between kangaroo, wallaby, mm. which <laughs> I really I really like how lazy scientists were with that one. They were like, we're not coming up with a new name. Nope. Wallaby, kangaroo, it's close enough. In the middle. There we go. We got it. Wallaroo. <laughs> like that's, and it literally is. It's just in between size of the two of them, and it sort of mm. looks the same. So, uh, you know, okay. I... I would much rather hang out with a common wallaroo than a Sika deer. Sika mm -hmm. deer is not reeling me in. Yeah. Um, regardless, Mike, now that we know what kind of animals we would best like to steal from their natural habitat and force to be our friend, Sweet. are you ready to fire the show up? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All three engines up and burning. Two, one. Zero and lift off. Mike, I am excited. We've got a fantastic band today. Uh, these guys, they've been playing together for 25 years. Say what? Wow, experts. Yeah, 25 years. Rocking the Peach State. They started mm -hmm. in Savannah, moved to Athens. They're drummers from Atlanta. They're just all over, all over the Peach State. But now they've been rocking nice. the globe. Perpetual groove. <laughs> Got their new album here. Oh. New album. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's came I mean, it's, it's not super new. This is their newest album. This is 2019 here. Uh, the listeners obviously can't see what I'm saying right now. That's the problem of having video and me forgetting that I'm on radio. But it's fine. Um, <laughs> Girl, come on. That's their new album. We've got them on the show. We're going to have Brock, Matt, and Darren. Can't wait to talk to these guys. It's going to be fun. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday soup. Happy birthday, Mr. President. That's right. Now, uh, you can definitely get two out of three today, Mike. Okay. Okay. Last one uh, that. that I'm sa saving for last. Mm. Eh. Mm. <laughs> okay. Born on March 23rd, 1990 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Our birthday suit wearer grew up loving sports, especially tennis and basketball. Mm. Her birthday suit wearer was an all-state tennis player twice. But thanks to an eight-inch growth spurt in high school, our birthday suit wearer started to focus on basketball. Out of high school, he was only recruited by Butler, Michigan, and Purdue. He decided to go to Butler. Mm. While in uh, college, he led Butler to a national championship game and missed a last-second shot against Duke. Why, uh, after college, he declared for the NBA draft in 2010 and was selected ninth overall by the Utah Jazz. He played until 2017 for the Jazz, becoming an all-star that same year, and then was traded to the Boston Celtics in 2017. In 2020, he was traded to the Charlotte Hornets. For his career, he's averaged 15.6 points a game, 4.5 rebounds a game, and 3.5 assists a game. Name that birthday suit where? <clears throat> hmm. He's still on the Celtics? No, no, no. Traded to the Hornets, 2020. Oh, traded. Yeah, that's right. You traded to the Hornets. Um, I'll give you a couple of hints. He's got a, a well-manicured white dude haircut, and he's a white dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah. Um, ah, come on. Um, he, got, he was injured. Um, mm -hmm. He is a very white guy. <laughs> and... Uh, 
I don't know why his name escapes me. I know exactly who it is. You're gonna say it. I'm gonna be like, yes, that guy. I'll give um, you. I'll give you a hint. His first name is my last name. Gordon Hayward. There, we there go. it is. There it is. Yes, Thank Gordon you. Hayward. Yes, Tur- Thank you. turning 32. Gordon Hayward. Ah, great age. Great age. Good, good age. And uh, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking he was that old, but he's that old. That's him. He's that old. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's been in the league. He has been injured a lot, like you said. I mean, he had he had the injury in, in Utah, then he had another injury, severe injuries in Boston. That was the wasn't it broken leg or something like that? The oh, first Okay, so I thought I thought the severe one came Okay, so it was in Boston. Yeah, I yeah, I think that brutal. was uh, I think that was literally like the first game. I, I I'm pretty positive uh, I was watching that or like I came in right after it happened was like hey they didn't they just trade for oh he literally broke his leg in half oh no like <laughs> it was yeah it was bad because he was yeah. out literally the whole year uh and was it was yeah. one of those where they were like yeah he's not coming back nope he's not coming back this season like you know yeah nope. and then it just it was tough for him to get back into the thing mm-hmm. and 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 Kyrie was there and we we know that dude uh so you know yeah. it was and then they switched him now to the Hornets Hornets just have a a crazy crew of of folks now. They got they got yeah. They got Ball and they've got they've got Isaiah Thomas now. Yeah, he just got traded. Yeah, that dude's back there. I was watching a game just the other night. He was getting buckets. So true. It was like yeah. two minutes and That's he had like hear. ten points. And I was like, look at that guy go. I'm like I'm like five <laughs> inches taller than that guy. Look at that guy. Yeah. It's insane. That's awesome. He did have a jump shot. That like I swear he must have jumped four feet on that jump shot. Like he was so far off the ground just for a jump shot. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's what you gotta be able to do if you're five seven in the NBA. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's um, It's crazy. He's a, he's a beast. But um LaMelo Ball, like I'm 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 very impressed by him. He makes like he makes it look effort. Yeah, he makes it look yeah. effortless. You know, and he I mean in in it, Nothing about his game is like Steph Curry's, but the fact of like the nonchalant play reminds yeah. me of Steph Curry. Both of them mm-hmm. are just like, yeah, here we go, throw this this way, yeah, throw this, this, shoot this, yeah. oh, there we go. Like you're just like, I'm just like, how, how do you make it look like you're just? It's like you're making a sandwich. You're not even just like, there we go, I'll do this. Anyways, it's not Mello's birthday. It's Gordon Hayward's birthday. He's mm-hmm. turning 32. Happy birthday, Gordon Hayward. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Yeah, what's going on? What happened? What's in the news? It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. In Florida, of course. In Florida, <laughs> in Florida of course. We've got a couple, uh, and we've got, uh, you know, as good opening uh, segment for our show, we've got a lot of stories revolving around animals. Hmm. Starting here in, in Florida. So starting here in Estero, Florida, uh, on the on the west coast there, Fort Myers, around, oh, okay. around that area. Uh, Marcus, Can- uh, Marcus Cantos owns turtle source hmm if you get it if you get a chance listeners and mike take a look at this this website for turtle source because they got all different types of turtles <laughs> tortoises <laughs> turtles like i took a gander at that website mike i if i wanted i could buy a florida snapping turtle for 70 dollars huh <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I de- disgusting. I definitely don't want to, but I could. This dude literally has like hundreds of species of turtles to buy. Wow. Yeah. Flash sale, twenty five percent off yellow bellied sliders. That's it, man. It sounds <laughs> wow, like Wow, this guy really does have everything. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So obviously if you're working with turtles like this, you gotta have supplies. A lot of supplies. Mm-hmm. Some of those supplies mm-hmm. are refrigerated. And uh, Marcus has several uh, refrigerators. And one of those refrigerators stopped working on him. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to uh, call a repairman. And the repairman was fixing the fridge. And in the middle of the repair job, the repairman said, hey, I need some parts for this fridge. I got to go get them back at the shop. I'll be back. And uh, when he left, Marcus was like, hmm. Seems like there's less turtles near the fridge. So he went to the security camera, replayed his security footage, because obviously if you got thousands of turtles, you gotta have some security cameras. You're not gonna you're not gonna leave that sweet pile of turtles un no way. Un 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 uh, monitored. Nope. Uh, so he goes back and he looks at the camera and saw the repairman stealing eighteen rare turtles. What? And he was just putting these little guys into his bag and Come these on. these are little guys these most of them are yeah. like quarter size turtles at the time mm-hmm. and um so when the repairman got back to the store uh probably you know to steal more turtles uh marcus had already called the police and they arrested him when he showed up and um first off i gotta ask mike still 18 turtles <laughs> like, <laughs> like i was thinking about like even if these turtles are worth thousands of dollars which like they are uh on that site like even if they mm-hmm. they are worth how are you gonna sell them like you can't just go to a pet smart and try to resell a turtle like that and be <laughs> like hey got these yellow yellow belly sliders here that's huh? a pretty nice deal like you can't do that like, yeah, they're not going to give you a lot. And Not what they're worth. <laughs> exactly. And probably the most intriguing thing about this story was the last sentence. It says, Lee County Sheriff's Office uh, deputies were able to recover five of the 18 stolen turtles from a house in Hillsborough County. Huh? Ah. Uh, what not 18. Ha- what happened to the other 13? Yeah. What happened? Come on. Like, they arrested him immediately. Like, how do you lose 13 turtles in that time? Like, maybe he released them. Had he <laughs> Probably not. Eaten them? He sold them in that time. Sold them? He had some, like, <laughs> he had some turtles what are to you, get rid of immediately. What are you doing that, like, I mean, that's definitely something the Lee County Sheriff's Office can't brag about. Like, yeah. 18 turtles, guys. What are you doing? Mm. Anyways. Yeah. Mike, uh, we're staying in Florida for this next story. Uh, This is across the state in Indian River. Indian River. Uh, John Atwood was helping his parents move their 65-foot yacht. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rich people problems. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were going from Florida to North Carolina to try to avoid the hurricane season. And uh, they, uh, John brought his one-year-old corgi the the corgi's name was jessica so they brought jessica on this trip 
Everything was going good until they got to State Road 520 Bridge over Indian River. Hmm. Uh, it was about that time that John realized, hey, you know what? Jessica the Corgi, no longer by my feet. Hmm. And uh, the whole family was like, oh, no. And they started looking for Jessica. Uh, not on the boat. Nope. So then they put out two smaller boats, started canvassing the area with the two smaller boats. Uh, but 24 hours went by, no Jessica. Oh. Now, when John was talking to the media about the search, he said, quote, prior to the trip, she had never been in water. So we had no idea if she would even know how to swim. Hmm. Mike, I'm not a dog owner. So I can't say this 100%, but if you were taking a dog on a boat for days, don't you think you might want to know if your dog can swim at some point before <laughs> you go on that trip? Like, yeah, it's fine. Nah, I'm sure I'll be good. I mean, what are a corgi's <laughs> legs? Four inches long? Like, yeah. And Not great for no. swimming. No, <laughs> no. Well... Mike, listeners will be happy to know that Jessica the Corgi ended up in a person's yard, happy and healthy. Uh, now, in the story, it says Jessica apparently swam seven miles back to Rockledge oh. Shore. Seven wow. miles. Which at first, of course, Mike, I was like, holy it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like I said... Their legs are like this long. I mean, seven yeah. miles for a corgi is like roughly eight hundred million doggy paddles. Like that's a, that's a lot. But but then yeah. then I started thinking about it, Mike. And Indian River is like a max a mile across where they're d talking mm -hmm. about max. Right. And because John's a bad dog owner, he didn't even know where Jessica jumped off the boat. Nope. He just realized at the bridge that she was no longer on the boat. So he doesn't even know how long she was off the boat. So, like, obviously, this is the estimation. So true. They're just going off mm -hmm. of the distance from the place of realization that the dog was until the dog showed up. On top of that, we don't know how much the dog ran once it got on dry land before somebody actually saw it. True. Like, Very could have been like a quarter of a mile over to land, and then he just she went bananas on the side, you know, the side of the river there. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, let's be honest, most dogs go bananas. So, yeah. You know, after doing a little detective work, Mike, I'm gonna say this dog ran or swam a max of three fourths miles. <laughs> Three-fourths of a mile is max. That sounds right. Which, granted, for a dog, again, teeny little mm -hmm. legs is like a person swimming like 20 miles. But Yeah, for sure. And I, I would drown after 200 yards. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know? Don't give me a fantastical story about a dog swimming halfway around the globe. You know? Mm -hmm. Don't don't face and tell me it's raining, Mike. Ew. You know, that's all I'm saying. It's a little ridiculous. Seven miles, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. Yeah, it is. No way. Uh, Mike, no way we've got one more story uh, from uh, Florida here. Uh, we're going to stay in the Indian River area. Sweet. Uh, Kristen Wiley. Kristen Wiley is a teacher in Vero Beach. She was driving down the road at 2 a.m. when she almost hit a cop car Jeez. that was on the side of the road with its lights on 
already pulling someone over. So mm. obviously, when she almost hit the cop car, the cop was like, hmm, what the f- that? And followed her. Uh, the cop tracked her down, uh, pulled her over, and the affidavit says that the cop noted Wiley's eyes were watery and red, and that there was a strong odor of alcohol coming from the car. Mm. The cop, of course, asked whether or not she had been drinking, and Kristen said, nope. Nope. That's when Wiley's son, who was in the back seat, said, Mom, you can't lie to the police. You did drink. <laughs> Girl, come on! He then, told the po- he then told the police officer his mother had been drinking at a party and that he had asked her to slow down while driving back to their Vero Beach residence. Wow. She was given a breathalyzer. Her blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. So she was arrested, of course, on multiple charges. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So so a couple of things, Mike. Um, Obviously, Kristen's not doing the best at being a mother, you know. But let's first accentuate the positive here. Let's... (laughs) Let's look at a couple of positive things. Uh, so even though she's drunk and she's recklessly driving around her kid at 2 a.m. in the morning, he was still riding in the back seat. Mm-hmm. So as unsafe as a mom she was, she was still corrected that. At least that was yeah. there. You know? Yeah. Got to give her that. That's right. Mm-hmm. And And even though, again, she's not doing the best parenting job, somehow... The kid still has a moral compass. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah, that, he, def- that, he definitely does. I mean, he still... It, it, honesty ruled there. <laughs> now that we've uh, talked about the positive, uh, what the f- are you doing driving your kid around at 2 a.m. after you left the party where you were drinking and somehow <laughs> the kid knew that you were drinking? Like, hmm... What are you trying to raise, Henry Hill of Goodfellas? <laughs> like, what the hell is that? Like, oh, yeah. Just coming back from a weekday party. It's 2 a.m. in the morning. Getting tanked with my kid at a party. Like, huh? It's a little weird, Mike. It's a little weird. Yeah, you know. It's, uh, it's Florida. <laughs> it's Florida. <laughs> well, yeah, just Florida in general. Hey, but <laughs> one more positive is the guy who probably got out of a ticket or something yes. when uh, she almost... <laughs> who knows? That guy might have had like five bodies in his trunk. Yes. Woo! I'm out! Yeah! All right. Down here? Yeah. Good. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. Mike, one story before we go to break here. Um, this is not from Florida. We're going to go to India. So a 16-year-old in India uh, reportedly was sleeping when he fell out of his bed and landed with his head on top of a sickle. Ah. Uh, yeah. I don't... Uh, that doesn't sound good. Like a, like, a, like a sickle you use to reap grain, like the, like mm. the Grim Reaper uses, that type mm. of, of sickle. Uh, 
Now, if you're a near uh, uh, computer listeners, go ahead and take a look because it's pretty disturbing. This thing is I actually kind of want to see what this, this thing is up in there. They've they've also got a CT scan of it, and you can tell it's like three inches inside of the skull. Like it's oh. ew. It's not. Oh yeah. It's no. Yeah, it's bad. Now, good news, Mike. They were able to get the sickle out without any problems. Sweet. Uh, That's he's good. recovering, uh, and there don't seem to be any major side effects. Um, but besides that, Mike, I am definitely going to say uh, someone slammed the sickle in this dude's head, and he's afraid to say who. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, let's look at the facts, Mike. First of all, yeah. nobody puts a sickle directly beside their bed nope. with the blade facing up. <laughs> To fall yeah. on, like nobody's like, well, here's here's a good. We'll make sure that's upright, so I can. It doesn't rest that way. I don't. I couldn't see that tool resting. No, vertically like that. No, not at all. Not a, a second. Unless you're falling from thirty feet up, it doesn't go three inches into your head. Like you may have like a a glancing blow. Like mm -hmm. this blade was not super sharp. Go back and look at those yeah. pictures. It's pretty dull. There was force behind it. I mean, yeah. all I'm saying, Mike, is someone needs to get this kid into some form of witness protection and get him out of that house. It's, uh, <laughs> or he's in Final Destination, hmm, and he has no that, choice. That, that's, <laughs> if that's the case, I'm sorry, kid. That's bad. That's definitely bad. Uh, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back. Uh, here on the Doc G Show, we are going to hear from our guest. This is none other than Perpetual Groove. This is their great song from back in the day. This is a fantastic jam, Sweet Oblivious Antidote, right here on the Doc G Show.
are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, I've got a little something for you. Are you ready? Oh, what do we got? Yeah, it's a little bit of a... Spe- Hold on just a second. That's why I had to switch my seat here. <clears throat> I've been practicing <laughs> for... For our for our live performance, are you ready? Yes, let's hear it. Man, that is amazing. That sounds great. Thanks, Mike. I'm ready. <laughs> I think I'm we're ready. ready. I definitely I just... think we're ready. I just wanted you to know, don't worry. The live shows are in the works. Yeah. And Wonderwall will be played on repeat. So Perfect. <laughs> that's uh just just so you know, listeners, it hasn't gone away. It's coming. Nice. That's right. It's coming to a I'm town excited. near you. Whether it's Lafayette or whether it's uh I forget where else we said we were going to live show it up. We got a lot of places. Uh Europe. A <laughs> lot of places uh, that, that boys, yeah. In um, in demand. In mm-hmm. demand, Mike. Nope. Uh yeah. spe- speaking of which, listeners, this is the time of the show that I generally pester you to subscribe to the show. So um, true. Um if you haven't done so already. Uh but this week, uh I'm gonna do that again, but I'm also gonna tell you Check out the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've uh, I've updated the website. We've got a Mike Charette bio going. We've got yeah. all, all the former co-host bios. That's right. So if you feel like you haven't heard, I don't know, a show from Dave in a while, you can go back and listen to a Dave show. Or maybe you're feeling like, you know what, I want to hear El Jefe May, which I usually want to hear hear El Jefe all the time. You can go back and listen to an El Jefe show. There's only a couple, but I've got them listed there in his bio. That's a fact. So you go back, check that. We've also got great videos from some of the interviews we did in the studio. Drake, I went back while I was doing it, looked at Drake Freeman's uh, performances here in the studio. You're not going to believe this, Mike, but it's better than me playing Wonderwall in the studio. Girl, come on. Yeah, it's that good. It's wow. that good. Yeah, it's okay. pretty imp- pretty impressive. Okay. Uh, maybe I can get him back in the the studio. And we can all do Wonderwall. And just, yeah, 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 yeah. Just everybody, just doing it together. Just a <laughs> Wonderwall orgy. It'll be crazy. Yeah. Ew. Uh, anyways, listeners, make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't done so. Mike, we need to appreciate the folks that are regularly listening. Our yeah. regulars. The regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Ashburn, Virginia, Frankfurt, Germany, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Piracai, Brazil, Katy, Texas, Genoa, Italy, Anoka, Minnesota, Barcelona, Spain, Peoria, Illinois, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Winfield, West Virginia, Richardson, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Tom's River, New Jersey. I didn't get Tulsa, Oklahoma out there correctly. Tulsa, Oklahoma. There we go. Yeah, you said Tulklahoma. Blah, 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 blah. Just didn't. Just tripped over the old tongue there, Mike. It's okay. Uh, Regulars. They're all regulars, you know. I still, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to point one out as most impressive, but I'm always impressed by Pirakai there. So true. Things must have been getting uh, dire. I don't know what's going on over there in Russia, but I didn't see Russia. That's why Russia was off the list there Mm. as far as Moscow. 
You know, yeah. I do know. I do know they've had some issues as far as uh, internet control mm-hmm. over there. Yep. I'm. Go- I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to yeah. be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be Switzerland. I'm going to be neutral here. No, yeah. Uh, uh, I have sim- no idea. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, well, I'll back you up on that. Mike has no idea. No I'll idea. give you that. Um, okay, semi-regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Biloxi, Mississippi, Miami, Florida, Portland, Oregon, Queens, New York, Tampa, Florida, Charlotte, North Carolina, Reading, Pennsylvania, Oxford, Mississippi, Riverside, California, Mobile, Alabama, St. Petersburg, Russia, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Athens, Georgia, and Bronx, New York. Shout out. So no, no Moscow, St. No Moscow, St. Petersburg. You know, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. Saint, Are they St. Petersburg. The yeah, St. Petersburg, I mean, you know, it's sort of like an Iron Curtain sort of deal, I feel like, uh, uh, you know. Uh, they are closer to Europe, St. Petersburg. Shout out! I don't know. Yeah, yeah I guess some of their Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> Regardless, they were listening. They were listening, so thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks to all the... Biloxi was getting it, though, I'll tell you. Those those Biloxi folks getting it. Just, yeah. just gambling and listening, and I like Love it. Love it. Love you it. Know? I like it. Mike, uh, miscellaneous file real quick here. Yes, I love the miscellaneous. You know, it's random thoughts sometimes that I was thinking Mm -hmm. about here. Uh, This is going to get a little personal, Mike. Word. Okay. Um, What kind of belly button are you rocking over there? Is it an Uh, any or an Audi? Any. Yeah, very deep. Deep any. (laughs) I have one as well. That's a fact. Uh, I've got a very deep any as well. Uh, (laughs) Things get lost in there. Things, you know. Yeah, you know, if you're not careful, you'll look in there and be like, what is this lint from three years ago? What the (laughs) happened here? And I was thinking about it, you know, in this day and age, Mike, of correct labeling, Mm -hmm. we're all about correct labeling today in today's society, right? Yeah. I don't like being labeled as a belly button. Mm -hmm. I don't have a button. Nope. There is yeah. no there is no button on my belly. Mm-hmm. There is a hole in my belly. <laughs> true. I think yes. I should be termed a belly hole Word. instead belly of a hole. belly button. Yes. Mm. My belly hole. Ew. It okay. sounds vulgar and I enjoy it. Belly hole. I'm just yeah. saying. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if belly hole is uh <laughs> I don't know. Come on now. Yeah, I, I can't think of like a shallow, uh, like a shallow hole. What is, is there a name? Is there a term for that? Because uh, hole seems like, you know, divot. A hole. Belly divot. divot. Yeah, I guess that's not going to work. <laughs> Belly. Uh, I was about to say pothole. That still has hole in it. Um, yeah. I mean, I like belly hole. It's just, uh, I mean, you know, crevice, belly crevice. Uh, umbilical cord scar. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the technical term is umbilicus. Oh, That's, there we go, umbilicus. Yeah, you I know, but like that. No, belly hole, Mike. <laughs> belly hole. Come on, man. Get behind uh, my belly hole idea. I think yeah. it's good. It's. I mean, belly button though. I was just like, it's. Uh, I don't have a button. I don't yeah. have it. And unless it's a depressed button. Unless you're going deep in there. What? And then that's getting way too sexual, you know? That's, <laughs> that is a button that nobody wants to press. That's a fact. Uh, anyways, Mike, I'm just saying, listeners, mull it over. Think or not whether or not you want to have a belly hole or not. Mm-hmm. And just 
You decide yeah. on your own. Decide Mike, if you want to get offended if somebody says that you just have a belly button. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and decide if you had a belly hole if you'd be offended if somebody called it a belly hole. Mm, you know? True, 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 true. Vice versa. Uh, yeah. Mike, got a couple of stories real quick here uh, to go over. Um, the first one, uh, Pennsylvania. Hmm. So we've got a problem in Johnsonburg, Pennsylvania. It's raining deer. Ooh. Um, yeah. Apparently, the 219 bypass has a bridge that runs through town, and the bridge is pretty high up there. And uh, deer wander onto the bridge. Then they see a car. They get frightened and just jump off, not mm. realizing uh, how high up they are, and uh, literally just fall to their death. Jeez. Just, it's just sort of a lemming situation. Just jump right off. Ugh. and Yeah. Yeah, uh, and apparently this has happened to like 25 deer this year alone, mm. you know? Now, this is concerning to some of the citizens. Uh, Julie uh, Padazic, Padazic says uh, she's one of the concerned citizens, and she said all of them are doe. And that's, you know, potentially could have been how many more deer populating if they wouldn't have died? They are mothers-to-be. They would have been carrying baby deer. That's what Julie said, Mike. Yeah. Um, so true. First off, I will give her credit. She did nail it. If uh, if they are female deer and not seahorses, uh, the females do have the capability to give birth. So <laughs> nicely done. Nicely done on that, Julie. Uh, but the second thing, though, I mean, don't get me wrong, Mike. I'm all for animals living. Yeah. But I, I, I looked it up. The white-tailed deer population in America is at roughly 30 million. 25 jumping off a bridge in Pennsylvania? Not, not going to make a huge dent in the whole population. No. Now, I mean, is it is it disturbing? Yeah. To, to see suicidal deer? Probably disturbing. Yeah. Yes. But keep in mind, listeners, these aren't Sika deer we're talking about. Nope. These aren't going to be your companion. These are just white-tailed deer. They didn't even crack the top 24. <laughs> given to us by Star Insiders, the greatest. <laughs> so true. Bottom line, Mike, it's not a bunch of snow leopards that are jumping off here. That's good. Yeah, that's good because they're very endangered. Very endangered. Uh, they actually now they're only vulnerable, Mike. Oh, they're on the vulnerable nice. list. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, which I mean, first of all, if they were snow leopards, we wouldn't even have a problem because if they're snow leopards, they'd jump off and they'd land on their feet and just head on their way. Oh yeah, because they they're amazing snow leopards. Yeah. Which, side note, Mike, I wish I was cool enough to have a snow leopard as my spirit animal. I was thinking about that. Like, I could say it's my spirit animal, and people would look at me and just be like, nope, incorrect. <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, it's super, it's just like, uh, you ever you ever just Googled some pictures of snow leopards? They're just so majestic, man. They got their big old fluffy tail, and their mystical blue eyes and just like their beautiful coats up. yeah man like i just think of like an animal tribunal you know that that they they get together and have a yeah. conversation about the world's animals and he's the mystical leader of the mountain and animals that comes down and is like hello everyone I'm Snow Leopard. I'm here to talk about the affairs of mountain animals. You yeah, know? I can see that. I can see look, that with this guy. Look at that guy. I mean, uh, impressive. Just impressive, man. It's, uh, I, anyways, I got sidetracked. Uh, listeners, 
agree with me. Snow leopards are awesome. Yeah, they um, are. I agree. Mike, quick story out of Ohio before we go to break. They've got a Senate race coming up uh, this November, and the debates for the primaries have already fired up. And uh, there was a debate going on with two of the candidates last week. Uh, Mike Gibbons and Josh Mandel were debating about jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mandel is a former Marine turned politician, and Gibbons is an investment banker. During the debate, Mandel said, Gibbons has made millions of dollars by shipping Ohio businesses to China. And then Gibbons said Mandel didn't understand business because he had never been in the private sector for his whole life. Hmm. That caused Mandel to jump out, a jump up and yell, Two tours of Iraq! Don't tell me I haven't worked! What? Then they started yelling back and forth. Gibbons told Maniel, uh, Mandel to, quote, Back off, buddy. To which Mandel countered, you back off. (laughs) Then he turned away from Gibbons and said, watch what happens. Uh, Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, First off, I think we can all agree, right? Sounds like two even-tempered, well-calculated, not-insane folks who would be good at running the old U.S. of A. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... Who hasn't almost gotten into a fight talking about job creation and economic growth? I think Everybody. happens yeah. happens all the time. Um, call me crazy, Mike, but I prefer my political figures not wanting to fight each other to the death because of a misunderstanding regarding employment. It's just, yeah. just me. Second, far be it for me to get in the middle of this fight, Mike, but I was thinking about this whole escalation of what went on here. Hmm. And I hate to tell Mandel that he misunderstood Gibbons, but he did misunderstand Gibbons. <laughs> uh, a tour of Iraq isn't working in the private sector. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By does. definition, the private sector is part of the economy that's not ran by the government. So if you're a soldier, that is definitely not part of the private sector. That is very much... The public sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of like some is someone saying, well, you don't get it because you've never worked in child care. And then you fire back, five years at the strip club on Fifth Street. <laughs> huh? That's not really the same thing. Doesn't really. No. Vastly different areas of employment there. No. Not to but, say both of them are difficult. Both yeah. of them are difficult jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very for different. sure, for sure. Uh, regardless, regardless. Anyways, uh, keep a lookout, Ohio. Things like that are going on in your state. Anywho, uh, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with our guest, the Perpetual Guru, right here on the Doc G Show.
the show everybody today we are joined by three-fourths of the fantastic band perpetual groove brock matt and darren they will be in jacksonville march 30th at 1904 music hall fellas how's it going great great man how you doing doing good thanks for having us doc yeah yeah now before you guys (laughs) come down it's a little delayed on the g g (laughs) yeah yeah uh, now, before you guys come down to Jacksonville, you guys are going out to Colorado uh, playing Ophelia's Electric Soapbox on the 25th and the 26th. Have you guys played there before? So, really, two, three minutes before we got on this call with you, we just got a message from uh, the folks at Ophelia's mm-hmm. and Live Nation that it's not the room is not going to be ready to open on the 25th and 26th. Oh no. So it looks like yeah, so it looks like uh through no fault of our own, you know, we're going to have those dates rescheduled most likely mid-May it's looking like for mm. another two nights. But yeah, and now the, I have the to... last bit of news right before we jumped on. I was about was to that, say that the venue is not we were going to be the first shows is what they've been telling telling us and all sorts of folks for weeks but such a down These things happen, you know. Yeah, now, it's, been, it's a bit of a bummer. Well, there's, there's a trend that's occurring. <laughs> it's just we can't get away. As soon as we get, as soon as we got out of like the pandemic thing, we had these Texas states mm. and a blizzard that you know a few weeks back in January, it came through. That that was the whole week that we were supposed to be in Texas, so all mm. that got punted. And then, yeah, so looks like Florida's going to be some of our first shows of the year now, which is perfect. Even, so there you go. Even better. More energy yeah. when you for, come down for here. Purposes of this, for purposes of we'll, this interview, it's perfect. We'll be going for the jugular. Yes. 
Yes. We will. What did, Let's had, hear it for Florida. Had you guys <laughs> played the Colorado uh, at Ophelia's before then? Or was that going to be the first no, time? It was going to be the first time. Yeah, I ah. guess they've been doing a big renovation over the last couple of years during the pandemic, and you know they're they were they were a venue before and everything. But from what I understand, it's been completely redone. It's going to be really nice. So looks like we'll see it in May, though. Well, I was I was getting jazzed for you guys because I was looking at it. It was a brothel before. It was a yeah. It was a, a concert venue, and I was like, and looks like some killer food. That's a fact. So when you go out there. Got to take some really notes. Yeah. Take some notes yeah. on the food for me. Well, uh, now I can't, I can't. I can't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> this. This is uh, this news to me. Oh, oh did you, I, you? You were too busy I, trying to get on Zoom to see. Yeah, the so I, 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 yeah. I actually just received the news about Colorado as as we're sitting here talking to each other. This <laughs> is um, I, I, you know, I've, yeah. I've played in a lot of bands, but like <laughs> this one is the lowest, like uh kind of rub uh it's it, it's you don't have to leave home very much it's it's a pleasure <laughs> it's a pleasure Man. i love it i love it everything keeps getting canceled oh, well hopefully yeah. not getting canceled are is the jacksonville show coming up 1904 is not going anywhere i don't think no so, so no yeah we will be there with bells on there we go for sure there Ray we to go. rage now, all week long i'm certain now important question brock does Kingley make yes. the touring dates? Oh no, um, he's been to a couple shows. If the circumstances are right, mm. but uh, but for the most part, he he stays at home with Molly here. Makes sense. It seems a little bit yeah. raucous for him. Yeah, he's he's a wild man. <laughs> you know. <right? laughs> now the the Jacksonville show, obviously not far from the band's original home. You guys started about two hours up the road there in Savannah. I love Savannah. Uh, it's a, a fantastic place. Uh, now, you guys started, Brock, uh, you're the, the founding member with us. When yes. you started Perpetual Groove way back uh, at SCAD, uh, I heard you met Adam the second day you were at school. Was uh, That's correct. Was that was it your intention going to school? Did you have in your mind like I'm gonna start a band, or was it just? Oh like yeah, completely Ab absolutely, absolutely. When uh, when I was moving into my dorm room, I think like the first four or five trips of bringing stuff into the room was a, a Marshall speaker, and then the, like, it wasn't. It didn't get to be art supplies, and I'm sure my roommates' parents were thrilled because it was just like amp guitar guitar there was uh because i you know all in high school too like i i had no question that uh you know collaborating with people musically uh even though it wasn't part of my schooling necessarily was maybe even more so than my schooling yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure everybody yeah thinking about bringing in that marshall amp i'm sure everybody that was in that hall was like oh Oh. Great! Oh this no! Guy, yeah. This is gonna rattle <laughs> yeah. the windows. But, but, well, and then you know, it just so happened that Adam, you know, he had a, an amp and bass. You know, he had the necessary gear to play with him. And then the uh, Joe Stickney, who is the first drummer in the uh, the first initial lineup of Perpetual Groove, he had his kit, and he lived one room down and over. So he would take his drums and put them in like one of those uh, 
wooden dolls, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, just keep them tucked in the corner. So we had three of the four members all had all their instruments with them on the same dorm. Would you play in the dorm? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, our our residential uh, the RAs or whatever they were called. They were uh, that's that's a, that's an art school for you. That's yeah, amazing. man. Yeah, I would never gone over other <laughs> spots for sure. That's amazing. Oh yeah, and even now that I say it out loud, I was like, that is pretty <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Now what? Now I, I mean, I've heard you mention your your inspirations, Brock. I mean, you know, David Gilmore and Slash and and Tom Petty and who who initially got you into in to pick up guitar? Who was the first? Well, you know, it was a it was a combination of two things. I saw the movie La Bamba, and I guess I was about second grade, and so the character, or, you know, the story of Richie Valens. And, mm -hmm. Lou Diamond Phillips, you know, he delivers this talking about, oh, this guitar, you know, my dreams are rock and roll, this kind of stuff. And I said, man, I might like to learn to play guitar. And so my grandmother uh, got me to some guitar lessons. And somewhere in the start of all that, my older sister had the, they were called singles, cassette singles, you know, a little cardboard sleeve. I was about to say, Sweet yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she put in Sweet Child of Mine. And so it was really like slash right off the rip and then the first time i saw the music video he plugs in that les paul and i'm sure that that has something to do with my uh my preference for gibson guitar i love mm. all guitars but i just i'm very gibson is my kind of thing mm. so somewhere in richie valens and slash i guess well uh my brother wholeheartedly agrees with you on the gibson things he is a gibson man through and through uh i got him i got him a uh I got him a Martin guitar the other year for Christmas, and he barely accepted it as a gift. He was so uh, he's so passionate. He was I like, ah, "I guess I'll play this thing. Yeah. Fine, you know." So, what kind of gift is this? Exactly. And uh, by the way, I I do love that music video. the The Sweet Child of Mine video is such. Yeah, a performance video that even though it's you know obviously rehearsed and they it's just so good. It's just such a yeah. It's, it's one of one. I actually I think well, uh, Paradise City I might like more, but both of them. The yeah, November rain as, though. November <laughs> yeah. rain. That's that's where they're, they're taking it over ones. the top. You know, <laughs> November rain yeah. is where they're really going. <laughs> Go hey, friend, I'm going to jump through your cake. Just, just oh, yeah, when, you, when, you, when you think about the storyboards for that video, it's like, okay, guys, here's my vision. Here's my vision. We're going to we're gonna gonna, jump through the cake. And and also, uh, Slash is going to leave in the middle of the ceremony, and he's going to mm -hmm. walk out, and it's going to be like a five-foot-tall building that he walks out yeah. of. It's going to be a massive ceremony. It's going to be an optical illusion. It's going to be great. <laughs> We're in another realm. Uh, <laughs> who who played uh, who played piano in that video? Was it Axel that was playing piano? Yeah. Yeah. He played it live in concert. Too, I mean, so. it's this order for me. Bach, Rachmaninoff, <laughs> Axel Rose as far as piano players go. He's number yeah. three. Wow, I'm, I'm sure that's a I'm, that's a common and prevailing top three. I'm sure. I think so. <laughs> yeah, Rhodes get put in there with those guys. Definitely think so. Well, Matt, you you came into the band a little bit later. I hear you met Brock 
at an open mic night. I've played at some open mic nights in the day. Yeah. And, uh, it, it seems like you get those similar characters at like all open mic nights. There's like the old guy that just learned how to play guitar that comes in with his like sheet music for Johnny Cash. And then there's always like the one guy that you're like, whoa, I feel like this guy shouldn't be here. He's so good. Like when you saw Brock at the open mic night, was it one of those things you immediately were like, I need to play with this dude? Or was it a slow appreciation? Yeah. It was, I had been playing in Savannah. I was stationed as uh, in Fort Stewart outside of Savannah. Mm -hmm. And I had been playing jazz gigs around Savannah with all sorts of different folks. And I was trying to find something a little more rock appealing or whatever. And then heard about Cagney's and went to the open mic night a couple times, right? I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then um, I went to a widespread panic show in Savannah and... The first line of a P group was playing at JJ Cagney's after the show. And there were two of the guys from open mic, Adam and Brock, both up there. So that, that was really kind of, we stumbled into that. Just, they were graduating at that time and Joe and Brett were getting ready to go do different things. And uh, yeah, I was getting out of the military shortly thereafter. So it worked out. Now, did you, did you yeah, immediately start I, playing? I'll tell you, when, uh, when Matt did come into the picture, like the timing of it was pretty amazing. There was about a week where as college graduation got there and Joe and Brett, everyone's like, Adam and I'm like, yeah, we'd like to continue to pursue this. And they, and you know, it's okay. They were both just like, no, nah, man, they wanted to check out some other stuff. And I, I guess it was maybe about a week's worth of I didn't despair. Know it was that short. I didn't. Know it, it was. was, that it was short. Yeah, yeah. No. And then and then and then you come into our lives, and you're like, "Yeah, man, I, I got this this drummer." It's like you know, it's I've I've never been in a situation where I had to uh, put up a flyer with the tear off. You know, it makes right. it so much easier. Just walk right in. Hey, we needed a new person. Yes, come on in in the band. Yep. Yeah. Matt, how did you start playing the keys? Because you're saying you're playing jazz, you know, sort of jazz gigs. How'd you start getting into the piano? Definitely like music to be ignored, cocktail piano type gigs when I say that. Like, <laughs> let's be really clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For but, life, for life. But I was doing, I, I would do that in the, in the military as well. You know, it was a whole mix of things that we were doing there. Um, I, my, when I was like seven, my neighbor was a piano instructor. And my grandmother gave my father the old piano and I was to learn to play it. And that's the way it was there at the very beginning. And then by the time, uh, you know, by the time middle school and high school came around, I felt like, a, you know, I was starting to learn how to do simple, different things with it. And, uh, you know, just, just always kept with it. Now, were you one of those types of people that actually, when you first started playing it, wanted to play it or were you forced into it? When I was real young, I was a little reluctant, but it was really the instructor is what I learned. So I was we were only with I was only with that first one for like a year and a half or so, and then when we moved down to Florida, um, we moved to Naples when I was about eight, and I got a really great instructor right out the gate, and that changed everything. So, you know, um, made things more fun, you know, in a <clears throat> in the sense of not so like making the scales and all the, the, the reason that you're learning all the theory, mm -hmm. why that's yeah. the first instructor to kind of tie that together. So that, that was great. And that opened up a lot of things. So yeah, I just pretty much have always stuck with it. And, uh, when I first was in the, the uh, army, I had actually auditioned as a guitar player. They're like, great. That sounds great. Let's do this. But 
we really need piano players. Can we play the piano? And I was like, no, yeah, we'll play the piano a little bit. So, um, but that that really was a bigger focus on jazz and stuff at that point. Yeah, you know, to learn to learn that sort of stuff. So it was more away from sheet music and classical stuff. You know, I'm like reading the mm. music and more kind of opened the door more to working your way around different kind of chords that you're learning jazz and you know those different modes and everything did you have like rock inspirations though as far as as far as piano i always really liked the as as generic as it is i really liked paul mccartney that was kind of maybe the first one i remember sitting down and seeing somebody play the piano um and that was you know the, my my parents are both huge beatles fans and stuff like that so. yeah I it was, you know, I still to this very day kind of like the simplicity of where, where the way Paul puts chords together and stuff so simple and really nice. Have you seen him, Matt, live? No, I still haven't gotten to see him live. Well, you know, for just two thousand dollars, <laughs> that's it. You yeah. can just two thousand. Yes, yes. Yeah. But when it when it was that, jazz stuff, it was like Oscar Peterson and Bill Evans and Keith Jarrett was a huge one. You know, that was super influential. But like really for rock and roll what changed it like was the synthesizer mm. and like made my brain work differently um in a good way you know because you can make more sound with less fingers of you course. know so, of course so that was that was that was that opened everything up differently you know did you have any rock synth inspiration definitely and the i, I mean brock knows it and I was in Nine Inch Nails, anything Trent Reznor was doing really at the time, and still to this very day. Mm -hmm. um, his use of sound and texture, and I find incredibly engaging and fascinating. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I, I feel that's been a an area. I mean, we have infinitely similar tastes in so many ways, but one thing particularly uh, is the textural and that Nine Inch Nails avenue of... Uh, of tone colors and stuff mm -hmm. that uh that's always been a, a nice area in common yeah, with, with matt and myself like things that can sound almost broken mm -hmm. you know especially when we get to go in the studio and you know really have if you listen to the piano on birthday like one of the most popular beatles songs around you know kind of hokey and everything like that the piano sounds almost brittle brash and broken in the back but it makes the whole the whole song so i think we're both into sounds that might be a little you know, right. slightly skewed, not perfectly in pitch necessarily. Right there on the edge. Right. Nice. Nice. Well, now, uh, you guys, how long did you stay in Savannah before you went to uh, you went to Athens? I went to Athens in 06. 06. So, so you had... Four you, years. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. I graduated in 2001. Mm -hmm. And so there was the, the couple years with the earliest lineup and then everything following... 2001 which i consider the the definitive perpetual groove right and then 05 right he said matt i think 06 is when we moved here officially now uh before i leave savannah i love savannah i gotta ask was there a was there a, a place that you a go to eating place that you guys had in savannah one of my personal favorites and uh if it's possible, I'm go actually go. I've got a couple gigs in Savannah over St. Patrick's Day coming up this week. Oh, that's going to be crowded. And I always, yeah, and that might actually deter me. <laughs> I'm not actually even sure if uh, Olympia Olympia Cafe on mm. River Street. This Greek food, it is, it is the it best, is. man. It yeah. is so good. I, and uh, then, but because it's on River Street and it's St. Patrick's Day, I might just 
not feel like messing about with it. Yeah, I've been the by there so many times, and I haven't, I haven't tried it. I, man, now oh, I, it's great, I great feel like great, a yeah. fool. Man, yeah. now I gotta the get platter. Away. The platter is one of my favorites. Oh yeah, our, one Matt's of our close ready friends, to Husk. For, uh, yeah, for a long time, yeah. he's the executive chef at Husk down there, mm. and uh, he crushes that whole. That place is pretty much an experience from start to finish. It's really somebody really else. I'm trying to think of. Who else told us Husk? There was there was another artist that told us Husk as far as a, a place to go eat. Now I can't remember who it was. It's definitely up on the nicer side, you know. But it's it, like I said, every bite is a plus. I think it might have been Moon Taxi, if I do recall. Nice. Oh, I think yeah. it might have been. I can't remember. Uh, Darren, moving on to the now that I've got my food recommendations, as I always do, and. Uh, <laughs> In interviews, uh, it's important. It's important. I got to be ready at any city to eat. Got to pull it out. That's and, very important. Well, and then the great thing is, whenever I have your recommendations, if I'm eating with somebody else, I can always blame it on you guys, and you're not there. You don't right. have to. I'm like, well, right. they said it was good. It's not my fault. I just well, this is, guys don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. This is bogus. Exactly. I've had better food in Jonesboro, Arkansas mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Chapateria La Ballerina had a better bite. <laughs> ah, and boots. <laughs> now, Darren, you didn't come into the band until recently. Your uh, yeah. new blood, even though you've you've been drumming for twenty five plus years. Weeks, I guess. <laughs> years. <laughs> how how did you start uh, playing with Perpetual Groove? Uh Kind of a funny story through the music circle that Atlanta is. Uh, Matt Wilson, who's a mutual friend of the bands and myself, uh, Adam Perry ended up on the show that we were putting together at the Variety Playhouse. He was sitting in on like three tunes on bass and met him that night. Uh, I knew of the band, but uh, that was the first time meeting. And uh, we went our separate ways. And so I live out in this neighborhood in Lilburn, Georgia. That's a bit out, uh, 30 minutes outside of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we're down at the pool and a buddy of mine who I've known since like elementary school that also lives in this neighborhood uh, goes, man, there's so many musicians that live in this neighborhood. You and so-and-so and Adam Perry from Perpetual Groove. Like, what? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, I messaged him on Facebook and I was like, Hey man, uh, and, uh, yeah, the rest is history. The next day, I think we met at the pool. This is during COVID during like the, the, you yeah. know, the really fun part, like, you know, <laughs> June, 2020. Yeah. And like, you know, first time being around other people, uh, outside, even though we're outside, it's still sketchy. Yeah. And we sat there and just, uh, you know, just, uh, it was nice to have somebody to uh, to converse with. That's a guy that's like in the music realm and whatnot, and nobody's leaving their house. We're not, you know, you've got nobody to talk to at this point. And uh, yeah, we just we just hit it off and started hanging out, and it just turned it turned out synch synchronicity happens again that they're gonna they're trying to do this live stream, but because of COVID, uh, Albert's not able to travel, so they just wanted to get you know, somebody to cover that day mm -hmm. and uh, with no intention of it going any further than that. And 
just uh, just kind of went from there. Al- Albert was looking at this point. It, you know, it's amazing. These last two years, everybody's reassessed what they want out of life and, and the amount of change that's gone on. Yeah. So uh, I'm just here long for the ride. I don't know. Well, now I saw, Darren, that uh, I caught on Instagram there. One of your biggest uh, musical inspirations uh, was your band director, uh, Melvin J. Hodges. Played the yeah, played true. the sax for Gladys Knight and the Pips. How did uh, uh-huh. how did he inspire you to get behind the kit or just into music? Uh, by putting the fear of God into me. Uh, I mean, they, like I, I can <laughs> I can do the I could I could do an impression, but I don't think you'd be able to air it. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, no. Uh, you know, I was already. Uh, I had a best friend in elementary school, and long story long, his uncle was uh, Bill Barry from REM, mm-hmm. and starting to be around him and and that that band and going to see them play live was like, oh, that seems like something to do. Like that seems right. Mm-hmm. I, I was really drawn to the drums, and uh, and then you know, school band comes around. You can join the band at school, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm doing that. And the first year was rough. Like you get no instruction in your first year of band. Like you know, it's usually like a flute player teaching the whole band, and mm-hmm. you don't get anything drum wise. Mm-hmm. So I thought about quitting. Didn't do that, and just kept going. You know, going through the band program at at Stone Mountain, and ending up in his band that that man put out some some heavy players and it was because he like i don't know he uh he encouraged us when it came to creativity it wasn't just like learn how to be a technician on your instrument and learn how to read music and theory there was a lot of like man find your own sounds mm-hmm. you know and that, that's pretty rare when it comes to high school band directors oh for sure <laughs> um so he, he's still around. He's still kicking out there somewhere, almost 90, I guess, at this point. Jeez. Um, yep. He was the dude, man. He could play his butt off. Well, shout, shout out to all the band directors. Shout out to my band director, Kathy Duncan. For real. Again. Shout out. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, did what he, do you play, Doc? Little drums. Little drums. Nice. Uh, yes. Not so well, but I, I still play them. I, I don't know how many times I've told this story on, on air, but I'll tell it one more time for you guys. When I was in... Let's hear it. When I was in band, uh, this was my first year, I actually uh, pretty much... I, I was just along for the ride in uh, marching band. Like I, I just thought they went on cool trips, and I mm-hmm. liked music, so I was like, yeah, good enough. And uh, I I was playing the cymbals. I was basically just the cymbal holding guy. And uh, yes. I was like, oh, this is an easy job. I don't even have to practice. I don't need sheet music or anything. I can just. And that's actually the only thing I ever did in marching band. Was the, yeah. Well, well, I marched one time and was the, yeah. the walking cymbal holder guy. Only thing you got to do is watch out for people hitting your knuckles. That's the only thing. You just got to make sure, you know. Uh, oh my god. But <laughs> yes. But so yes. I uh I sadly uh well I guess good it was a good thing but also very frightening to me was that uh one of our snare players quit hmm. like literally like 2 weeks before our first competition and Miss Duncan our band director comes up to me she's like Ben uh you're going to 
place near. And I was like, what? No. Now I'm going to have to practice and stuff? Yeah. Oh, right. no. You've been standing in front of it the whole time. You saw it happen. You can do it. Yeah, that pretty pretty <laughs> much. That was, you know, and so... Luckily, uh, the 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 lead snare guy, John, he was super nice. He's like, you got it, man. You can do it. I, I'll show you how to... I could not do it. I was horrible at it. I was, very, I was very bad, especially that first year. And so I stumbled through the whole year, and we get to, like, our biggest competition of the year. And uh, Miss Duncan brings us together as far as the drum line. She's like, all right, guys. It's really tight. You guys are what brings us all together. You guys are what either makes our, you know, makes our performance or kills our performance. So, Ben, that means I'm going to need you not to play. What? It's like, she's like, yeah. Oh, if, if you, my God. If you oh. could just Wait. fake playing In and not actually hit the drum, that Ouch. would be great. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You wait, got it. Wait. <laughs> She did this in front of. Wait, she did this in front of everybody else. Yeah, but I was. I think she knew I could take it. I think she knew that I knew oh. that I wasn't playing to my best ability. So I was like, "Yes, you got it. Got you." So I was. Oh. I was just out there. Yeah, I got it. All right. <laughs> Probably the the judges were like, "Guy's not even. I don't. He's what? What is he playing? I don't even know. <laughs> he's just." Is he air drumming? Does he, does <laughs> he's he, air drumming. Does he know he's not hitting the drum? I don't know. I think he <laughs> he may be on drugs, people. I don't know. Like it's uh, yeah. But it uh, yeah, that was I did. I would like to say I got a lot better at. Well, I got better after that. I definitely got better, and I had to get better quick because a whole bunch of people quit that next year, and I actually was one of the oldest people the next year, which. Yikes! That was wow. <laughs> had had to do some practice after that. That's more for pressure. Sure. Yeah. Oh for yeah, a hundred percent. That's cool. Well, Brock, this year makes the twenty fifth year of Perpetual Groove. If yes. if I hop back in the Wayback Machine and I I tell the eighteen year old Brock, hey, this band you're starting, you're gonna be in it for the next twenty five years. It's gonna take you around the world. What what would you think? What would the like? I hope we have coffee mugs. The eighteen-year-old, you think? Oh, I mean, I guess I'd believe it. <laughs> I like it because that's kind of that, that. That's kind of the path that uh, the eighteen-year-old thought. Yeah, nice. Like, I, you guys, I knew. You guys, I knew coming out of college that I was gonna like. I talked to um, my grandmother about like whether to proceed in school or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, and I said, it's like you know, this is the point where I can. Uh, you know, sleep on floors and couches and be young enough to do what it takes to, to take a swing at it. Mm -hmm. And now I sleep on nicer couches. <laughs> it's not always as glamorous. It's true. It's true. Well, now, uh, the band's obviously had twists and turns throughout the year. You guys have, uh, um, Matt, you, you, you left the band in 2008 to focus on your family. When you left, did you see yourself coming back, or was that just a temporary hiatus? I think when I left, I think for all of us, when I left, we thought that was, that was it, like a, a chapter was done. But you never can predict the future is what I think we all learned on a bunch of different levels. And it, it was definitely felt right when we got it back together. And, you know, the same in 2015. Um, so 
Oh. You know, you did a lot of. I heard you did a lot of studio work. Uh, well, started doing some more studio work during that time, and like uh, stuck out. I saw that you you worked on uh, Brantley Gilbert's album, which I was like, well, that's that's different than Perpetual Groove. <laughs> Uh, it sure was. That's yeah. that's, that's different. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. What, what it was, was that was still though because of a connection through Perpetual Groove. It was our our front of house engineer Newton Carter mm-hmm. and uh, a gentleman named Tom Lewis, who's at the uh, UGA Music Business Program now. Um, they were working on it, and that's the only reason I got brought in on a couple weird things to do for it, which what, was fun. What what did like you bring back from that? That at the end of the day everyone's just trying to make the best product regardless of what that product is when they're in the studio, whether, and that's, that's everyone from the artist on down Mm -hmm. um, that their intent is always super pure. Like what's the, what's the moment we can capture with this. And it ended up being a a really good album. You know, it was halfway to heaven. The drum loop thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like make it. What is it that you're looking for? Man, give me something. Makes you sound like I'm about to stomp some I, like, I reckon I got you, man. I think I, I think it would be just fine. Man. So, just what you need. Oh. <laughs> Something sounds like I'm about to stomp some. Uh, All right. I think I got that button on my keyboard. Hold on. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's In two seconds. Stomp uh, the yep. stomp button. Uh. Yeah, a little drum loop at the beginning. Uh, I think it's "Country Must Be Countrywide." I believe is the song. Nice. Which is just the horns in the air, kind of. Rock anthem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was great. There's a Jesse from Tishomingo was the guitar player on that. And Randall Bramlett was doing some organ on that. It was cool. It was mm-hmm. a cool experience for sure. Very yeah. nice. Well, I didn't know that bit. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Jesse uh, rips on every guitar solo on that album. Man. He's on the whole thing. Okay. He was, he was, he's Brantley's touring guitarist. Man. Okay. As well. Yeah. Man. Or at least he was at that time. This goes this goes back over ten years now, so I can't speak to currently. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Uh, well, sort of same question for you, Brock. When you when you stepped away from the band uh, in 2013, I mean, obviously different for different reasons. Did did you have any idea if you were coming back? Yeah, I mean, I knew I was still. Um, working on some music and trying some some different stuff i I didn't i wasn't really thinking about uh like long-term future Mm -hmm. plans at first like a lot of the behavioral stuff is just really just trying to get it sorted Mm -hmm. and uh survive in the meantime and uh but i i don't think I i certainly don't feel like i ever closed the door on it completely I just knew I needed to go uh, take some time and get myself sorted out. And yeah. that, uh, you know, playing in a rock band out on the road didn't seem to be the uh, the place where I could successfully do that. That's a hard place to sort anything out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what now, after you came back, uh, you guys started touring and you, you came back out with the, the first full length album you'd had in a decade. Uh, mm-hmm. in 2019, when you've had so much time off from a from a full album like that, I mean, you released live albums, everything else was, but a full album was there a little anxiety putting out that album after that long? There was a lot not, of. Ang- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
But you, I was going to just say there was a lot of anxiety with that album, I'd say in particular, because not just because of that, but especially because of the content of the album. Mm-hmm. Over the 10 years, the band had been through a ton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's you know, for the four of us, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot for us to work through together. And then there was just a lot of loss that was around the band. And Rock can better speak to that, of course. But so we were all, we, we had the pressure of putting the first thing out in over a decade. And then we had these songs that we knew we're going to be a bit of a heavier content. So we wanted to do something that was just completely different, but I found as, as great, as much as I love the album, I found the process to be uh, a little stressful, more stressful than it had been in the past mm. or would be a couple of years later when we went back in the studio. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, Brad, go ahead. Oh, no, um, I, don't, I was going to say, I don't know if anxiety is the word, but then I was grateful to be so busy with it because some of the loss that uh that matt just mentioned was like at the start of working on that album we were you know got part of the way through it and one of the songs had uh what i would have thought were pretty much finished lyrics and then my sister passed away Mm. uh unexpectedly and kingsland said to me like "I, i wanted to make this one little addendum to the lyrics and then jason suggested that we just uh go back to the drawing board but um i don't know if i would say it was was anxiety for me but i was it's definitely memorable and has a very different distinction from pretty much every other album or studio experience that i've had due to external factors but ultimately i was very grateful to have the medium and be working on that art because Mm -hmm. i had a bunch of stuff going on like it was a healthy way to process what was uh a lot of emotions and not just my sister like we the band we had a number of people newton carter that matt just mentioned he passed away Mm -hmm. uh our buddy chris downing right yeah you know brad just a a, yeah yeah a list of of uh of people we lost was making its way into the content but I, I i think it's a really beautiful album matter of fact i listened to uh the the record uh just yesterday and uh i'm really happy with it well definitely mm-hmm. intense though. Same. yeah yeah Same. i'm ex- i'm excited for it i actually just got it on uh on vinyl uh, for the oh, awesome. nice. thanks for the studio nice. so i'm i'm excited to both have it and listen to it uh i mean i've listened to it obviously streaming it but uh not on the vinyl experience not on not on the record player you know get the real i find it there. to be my favorite mastered version of it for sure it's just warmer all the things that vinyl yeah are, you know the, the vinyl master re- just sounds really how, happy how, how with the, in the studio really happy with the pressing like it's the quality of the not just the mastering but then uh kindercore yeah Mm -hmm. yeah kindercore now Uh, yeah yeah they did a a really nice job on the actual pressing itself very happy with it very nice very well now your most recent release was the ep come on covers (laughs) through the years you guys have done all kinds of covers uh this you've got peter gabriel you've got uh the cars you've got the go-go's and then we've got the classic uh, Golden Gate Quartet. Uh, most people think of Johnny Cash yep, with yep. it. 
Um, yeah, that's right. The original. Now, now, seeing as you have four tracks on the EP, I'm just going to guess. Did you guys each choose a song? Or how did you choose those four songs? How did we choose those four songs? <laughs> well, I knew you know, dig in and God well, I, like I was that we've done live that we knew we wanted to go ahead and yeah, we we agreed that we wanted two of them probably to, to be an opportunity of ones that were favorites and we'd played for a while. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted to think of two or a couple through a couple ideas for new ones, but I didn't suggest drive or the go-go's and really wasn't sure what i think did adam suggest the go-go's go and i suggested yeah drive. and yeah. when i when i put on that go-go's tune i was kind of <laughs> like like well <laughs> i mean i get we well, i guess we'll see here and then of course shows what i know i love it it's probably <laughs> one of the one of surprises on there yeah. yeah it's got it's uh at first that was the thing was when i was looking i was like this got an 80s theme We've got we've got three '80s jams here, and then then all of a sudden, uh, uh, God's gonna cut you down. I was like, oh nope, took a took a right turn here. Okay, I was trying to get an idea of where they came from, but you know, now uh, I think the '80s thing is all just coincidental. That that really um, wasn't on purpose. Probably speaks more to us generationally than <laughs> yeah. We just we just <laughs> like the '80s, I guess. Hey, <laughs> we're just. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I mean, uh, if exactly. it comes down to it, I am usually I, I. Me and my brother have the conversation all the time. He usually loves the '80s more. I usually side on the '70s, but I can right. always yeah. I can always go through an '80s day. There's always a day where you wake up and you're like, I yeah. I need to hear some Def Leppard. That's a fact. Like I just I one hundred percent. You know, yeah. it happens. All right, yeah. all right. Here's a tough question. If you had to go to a desert island and you had to pick one decade, what would it be? <laughs> you I, could only listen to one decade for the rest of your life. That's that's tough. Like that's the thing is like I my two I well I love all I love 70s, 80s, 90s. But like I feel like there's the most I like in the 70s, but I don't yep, know. Same. It would be 70s for me. I think it's cuz there's so many things happening for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. but uh, and, and it seems like ba bands had more license and there was weirder stuff going on back then. Now it's a little more uh, part of the big machine, a lot of that going on. I, I so just, my, for the 80s and 90s, you could, you could argue there was a lot of weird stuff going on too. That was cool. Oh, but yeah. My mind immediately went to usually the desert island question is not which right. decade but which album or which five albums mm. yeah. and there was i tried to figure out a way to cheat and get graceland and wildflowers both in there it's like how about 85 to 95 <laughs> <laughs> but 85 to 95 yeah nice <laughs> but is 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 graceland worth taking the 80s over the 70s mm. Uh, that's tough personal conundrum probably yeah. not <laughs> yeah it's tough i don't know i there there's there's a couple of there's a couple albums from the 70s that i just uh i i don't know i mean like i just love so much i'm i'm such i'm such an eagles guy too that uh i just i i love all things eagles so it's uh and you know being the dave gilmore fan that i am how could i turn away 70s era pink floyd wish you were so. here i mean my god yeah. what a what a jam mm. uh it's settled then 
<laughs> Set off to the desert island. Here we go. Um, when yeah. the, Darren, this was the first recorded material you did with the band, right? Uh, that's Yep, that's true. Nice. How did it go? It was fun. You know, we went, again, like this was not long after that first live stream. Maybe a couple months, maybe maybe two months, months later. I don't know. Eight, two years later. Six. It was March uh, of uh, 21. It was six months later. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they, 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 they called and like, yeah, we want to go into Chase Park and do this, uh, these couple of songs. And there was, again, there was, uh, that was the only intent was to go in and record those couple. There was, there was no long-term uh, game. And uh, like, absolutely. Like, I think that was the first time it's possibly the first time being back in a studio after like come kind of coming out of the first wave mm -hmm. and just the feeling of being back in a room with a bunch of weirdos <laughs> and like trying to figure out which way to go. And, you know, it was, it was an absolute blast, no, you know, yeah. and, and, and you know what, that's a, a big distinction to the last album. As far exactly. as like, that's what took, I was like to took yeah. took uh, many months and all of this grinded out almost two years yeah yeah and then and then we go in and do the the covers at Dave Barbie's studio and just the the vibe of it that it was like a you know God's gonna cut you down is however long it is what is it, like 18, 17, 18 minutes it's really and long it's it just like a nice free free form musical meditation. <laughs> I thought and, for sure as it's going down, I was like, we're just like messing with stuff. There's no way they're going to put this on the album. If, uh, for that one and for uh, uh, Our Lips Are Sealed. That was the that was the only take we took of Our Lips Are Sealed. I, Kingsland, I love Kingsland chimed stretch. in and he goes, yeah, I think we're good. Wow. <laughs> <were> like, what? <laughs> wow. Oh, it was fun. We had a blast. It, like you were saying, Brian, it was complete opposite experience from the previous album just because it was short and there were no no rules. We were doing other people's songs. So like we were rearranging them to our our own. Yeah. But we weren't, you know, having to write stuff or anything yeah. like that. So it was just fun. It was it was a great like let's go in the studio with Darren, see it, see how it feels. And then we played Roswell at the end of that week, uh, for two nights. Um That's right. Yeah. And uh yeah, it was a blast. It was a fun week. Probably right. the most fun at that point we had had since everything locked down and all that. Very nice. Well, I mean, uh yeah. In other, I guess, big show news, you guys have the festival coming back this year, uh, May 27th to May 29th, Woodlands Nature Reserve, new location uh, mm -hmm. in Charleston, South Carolina. How, how did that uh, location come about? Well, actually, first, how did you decide uh, we're going to bring it back this year? We were originally planning on announcing that Amberland was coming back in like May of 20. Mm -hmm. There were already wheels in motion to make that happen. And it would have been a 2021 festival. Mm -hmm. So it's been, we've been working on it for a minute. Um, we, with Charleston, that relationship came through, through just friends that have, have done some work at that property and everything some relationships that we had there and it's and i just got to go there the week before last for the first time to do a site visit and it's incredible it's perfect it's super simple for all aspects of throwing a festival it's right there next to charleston you're 15 minutes from downtown Very so nice. it's great yeah it's great uh 
I love it. It's going to be probably the best one we've done yet. Very like, nice. Just because of what we can do on the property alone. Have Have you heard a lot from the perpetual groove faithful about bringing the festival back? Yeah, they were. They've been super stoked. A lot of the hardcores definitely jumped on tickets as soon as we announced, which was great. It's really nice. So we're actually about to. I mean, I guess by the time this airs, the website will be updated with a bunch of new information that we're uh, that we're that we're announcing. Very so, nice. Very nice. Yeah. I did. I did notice. Actually, I just brought them up earlier in the interview, but uh, Moon Taxi opened up for you guys. <laughs> In in 2011, there back uh, that that was a fun several shows. Yeah, actually, great guys. Very cool. Shout out to, to yeah, Tommy known him a there. Long time. Yeah. Tommy was yeah. uh, nice. Shout he came out. on our 200th uh, episode of the of the uh, show. Here we were we were nice. happy to have. Tommy. I love all those guys. Tommy's. We've had some great hangs, man. All those guys are super great. For sure. For sure. Now Tommy's funny. <laughs> Well, now before uh, before we go, aside from Amberland, uh, what else can listeners expect? I mean, you just said you're going to put on some announcements, but what can you tell us? What can listeners expect in 2022 uh, from Perpetual Groove? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna definitely be hitting it again this fall, and I think we're gonna, you know, I don't want to jinx us, but I think we're gonna move back to regular touring as it was, you know, a couple of years ago. I say this, you know, an hour after. Colorado got canceled. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, you know, uh, I know our agents working on getting fall loaded up right now. We're going to some, some of the rescheduled dates, uh, like the Midwest states are going to happen in July. Those have been announced. Uh, we're going to be going back to Texas to make up for those dates in September. Um, I don't think it's, I can't say it. We're going to be playing Georgia theater on the 9th of September. It's the first time we've done a Friday night before before a home game in a long time mm. so that's going to be wild for sure after so, winning a national championship too yes uh. indeed indeed but yeah it's going to be it's going to be a, a year where hopefully we kind of get back to normal amberland's kind of the focus for everything right now for sure well yeah. brock matt darren we are up against a break but i want to thank you guys for coming on the show today Thank Thanks you so much Man, for thanks. having us. Yeah, what a what a fun chat. Thank you yeah. for having us. For sure. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Perpetual Groove at their website, pgroove.net, or you can follow them on Instagram at Perpetual Groove, or stream all of their music on all platforms. Right now, let's take a listen to Digging in the Dirt right here on the Doc G Show.
Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard Perpetual Groove right here on the Doc G Show. Fantastic there. Matt, Brock, Darren. Darren being the new member, Mike. New member. Mm -hmm. Two years. He's the young buck of the group. Just brand new to the... I mean, you know, he's been playing drums for like 30 years, but... Right. New to the band. New to the dynamic. Yeah. Exactly. Got to work your way in. He seems yeah. like he's a very, a very uh, 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 pliable, pliable personality. He can work mm-hmm. right in there. Just groove That's good. him. Yeah, intertwine himself in there. That's a fact. Uh, but they've been making music 25 years, man. Pretty impressive. And literally, like, from the, the get-go, when Brock went to college, goes into the dorm, boom, in a band. That's wild. So true. Pretty awesome. And that band has been going for 25 years. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. That's a long time. Uh, Folks, obviously, if you are in the Jacksonville area next week, uh, take a listen to our show. And as you're taking a listen to our show, go to their show afterwards. That's a fact. Because they will Mm -hmm. be playing at 1904 Music Hall. You need to be there. It's going to be a groove. 1904 Music Hall always has the jams. And this week, or well, next week, they will have none other than Perpetual Groove in their gig hall. Huh? Gig Mm -hmm. hall? I guess that works. (laughs) Gig hall? That works. It's weird. I really threw two names. Anyways, they'll be (laughs) at the venue. That's a better term. That works. They'll be at the venue. They'll be at the venue. Uh, Mike... Are you ready for some uh, birthday suits here? Yeah. What do we got left? Which one do you want? The one that you probably won't get or the problem, probably the one you will get? 
Probably won't get. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. Okay. Born March 23rd in 1983 in Somalia, where his father was working. Our birthday suit wearer moved to Britain in 1991. In middle school, his PE teacher realized that he was very gifted with our... Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. In middle school, his PE teacher realized that he was very gifted in running. In 1995, at the age of 13, he entered the English school's cross-country and finished ninth. Hmm. Then, for the next five years, he won it until he graduated. Every single year. Five years in a row. Wow. In 2005, he moved to Australia to train with elite runners. Started to reel off big win after big win. In 2012, he ran in the Olympic Games for Britain and won a gold medal in the 10,000 and the 5,000. It's the first time Britain had ever won the 10,000 meters in the Olympics. In 2016 Olympics in Rio, he repeated the feat by winning gold in the 5,000 and the 10,000. Our birthday suit wearer is called the most decorated athlete in British athletics history with 10 global titles. And he was knighted by the Queen in 2017. Name that birthday suit wearer. <laughs> no idea. Didn't think you were up on the current distance runners, Mike, but it's okay. Mo Farah. Mo Farah. Yes. Four gold medals. Four. Wow. 5,000, 10,000 twice, man. He's won a whole bunch of marathons. He's still out there doing it. And properly, I should call him Sir Mo Farah. So, mm, you know. Very true. Very true. Now that he has been a knight for five years. I don't think you get a sword. I wish you got a sword as a knight, you know? Yeah. That'd be nice. That would be kind of cool if you got a sword. Just like engraved with sir and then your name. That'd be sweet. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I mean, yeah, or even a dagger. Yeah, just a little... There we go. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. like, you, know, you just feel like you could, I mean, you're as a knight, you're supposed to protect the queen. So I feel like you yeah. could protect the queen even more if you had a dagger on yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think a sword would be more efficient, you know, but... <laughs> just bring it out. Just unsheathe that <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, every yeah. now and then. And just think, with Mo Farah, he could, he could like, run a marathon with it on. Just strapped mm -hmm. on there. Just charge! Yeah. And just keep going with the sword. It'd be nice. <laughs> yes! Anyways, happy birthday to Mo Farah. He's 39. Turning the big 3-9 for Mo Farah. That dude can move, man. He's one of those distance runners. You see him running in a marathon and like on TV and you have no like relative speed and you're like, that guy looks like he's going pretty fast. And then you see it like r compared to a regular person and you realize yeah. that he's going like 15 miles per hour and you're like, holy crap, that yeah. guy is a gazelle. That is insane, yeah. man. It would be cool to see that in person, like a professional, like Olympian running. Yeah. That would be interesting to see in person. You really could get a better you idea don't, as to how fast yeah. they're actually going. Yeah, you don't understand. Like when you're watching it on TV, like it looks fast. But the thing you got to remember, they're literally, I mean, not an exaggeration, running sub five minute miles for every single one of those 26 miles. So they're literally going like 13 miles per hour, not an exaggeration. Uh, wow. Yeah. Which, uh, just like flying. Like, I mean, you know, 13 miles per hour, I could barely keep up for like a lap on a track. And they're doing it for 26.2 miles. It's crazy. Yeah. 
That's wild. Crazy. Anyways, Mo Farah, uh, most decorated British athlete in history. Uh, happy birthday, Mo. Okay, this one, think you should be able to get, Mike. Here we go. Born on March 23rd, 1973, 10 years before Mo Farah, in San Francisco, California, our birthday suit wearer loved basketball from a young age. He led his high school to a state championship. His junior and senior years, he was voted California Player of the Year. Hmm. Decided to go to the University of California, Berkeley. While he was there, he won Freshman of the Year in 1993. He was NCAA Steals Leader in 1993. He was the Player of the Year in 1994. He was Assist Leader in 1994. And he was Consensus All-American in 1994. He declared for the NBA Draft in 1994 and was selected by the Dallas Mavericks' second pick overall. Throughout his career, he became one of the greatest point guards of all time. He was a 10-time All-Star, an NBA champion in 2011, a nine-time All-Defensive player, a five-time assist leader, a two-time Olympic gold medal winner, and just this year, he was named to the NBA 75th anniversary team. After retiring from basketball, he started coaching. He first started with the Brooklyn Nets, then the Milwaukee Bucks, then as an assistant with the Los Angeles Lakers, and for the last year, he has been the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, is it Jason Kidd? No. Is it Jason uh, yes. Kidd? It Jason Kidd. Yes. There we go. J Kidd, man. J Kidd. Jason Kidd. What a baller, you know? Yeah, what he was. a baller. What a what a a uh, uh, technique baller and uh, yeah. just by the books baller Word. you know mm -hmm. I mean every now and then he'd throw out a pass that you were like what where did that come from but he wasn't like a Jason Williams pass guy yeah yeah you know yeah he but like I mean just the consistency it's sort of like Chris Paul these days you know you just know that when Jason Kidd was on the team you were gonna get a well-led team on the floor like there yeah. was, he was the floor general, and he was gonna do it right, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so far, he's doing a good job uh, coaching, especially the second half of the season. Dallas has been on fire the second half of the yeah, season, man. Mm -hmm. Them and Boston just tearing it up. Both of them like twenty and three or something since January. Yeah, That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Jason Kidd looks like a pretty laid back guy. I'd like to hang with Jason, you know. Yeah. Turn, for sure, for sure. One more year in the 40s for Jason. He's got to live it up. One more year in yeah. the 40s. He's uh, 49. Jason turning 49. Happy birthday, Jason. Yeah. In, what a life so far. Well, I mean, you know, to be part of the 75th team, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 75 players out of, you know, thousands of NBA players and out of millions and millions and millions of people that have played basketball. Pretty mm -hmm. cool to be part of that. Pretty, yeah, definitely is. Pretty elite company there that he was in. Like, I, if I were him, I mean, you know, first of all, I'd be like, this is awesome. I'm an amazing basketball player. But second of all, I would also be crapping my pants when I was there. Like, is that, is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Is that Magic Johnson? Is that Larry Bird? Is that Michael Jordan? They're all here, and I'm part of this group? That's insane. Like, it's yeah, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, anyways... Yeah. Happy birthday to Jason Kidd. Uh, Mike, 
I'm very excited because up uh, coming up here in the next couple of shows, we got some return guest coming on the show. Mm. Always great to have folks that we've already had on the show. We've got next week the fantastic band out of Arizona, the Irie, coming back on the show, giving us a little reggae flair. They've got tunes coming out all spring. So it goes right with that spring weather we were talking about before. You go out there, you feel the vibrant vibes, you get mm-hmm. the tunes. It all comes together, you know? It all comes together. I can't yeah. wait to have them on the show. We've also uh, got Adam. If uh, if listeners remember uh, Grizzfolk, we had Grizzfolk on the show, fantastic band. We've got Adam, their lead singer, coming on. He's going to do... Uh, he's got some uh, some uh, hmm. some uh, what what am I looking for? Inde- not independent, uh, solo. That's the word. Solo. Jeez. He's got some solo stuff coming up there that I'm very excited. We're gonna we're gonna play that. He's gonna come back on the show. So we've got some great great uh, music coming up and great guests. I can't wait for it. But until then, Mike, we're gonna have to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey. Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Thank you, Doc G. Always a good time. Always a pleasure. Of course. Always a pleasure. Pledge. Pledge. What is that? That's Paul Rudd. I love you, man. Was that from... I think it was I love you, man, that he did the pledge. I don't know. I just like shortened uh, because Gary Goldman just did the Depresh uh, album. So I was like, Depresh, Pledge. So you you didn't actually (laughs) take it from Paul Rudd. No, I don't think so. Man, I'm going to have to show you. Either. That's crazy. That He literally <laughs> does that. That's insane. Oh, really? Oh, man. That is... You just blew my mind, Mike. Just blew my mind. Ah. All right. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo-dah. <laughs>